Hey, this is John Nettles, and this is the Roots of Revelation podcast, the podcast where we dive into the scripture behind the scripture of Revelation. Hey, welcome back to Roots of Revelation, and uh, this is episode eight. And if you've been following the podcast, you know that I've been walking through the uh, letters to the church that Jesus gave uh, in Revelation chapter two and chapter three is basically report cards to seven different churches. So uh, last episode, we covered Ephesus and Thyatira and how they were kind of like uh, polar opposites of each other. And today I'm just going to focus on Smyrna. And I want to talk about, I'm going to call this Smyrna, Courage Under Fire. Uh, because uh, this is kind of a, most of these most of these report cards Jesus gives to the churches have a, a positive and a negative. You're doing this right. You're not doing that right. Smyrna, you just get a grade A, which sounds awesome, right? But it's tough because he doesn't tell them because you're doing great, everything's going to go awesome. He, he prepares them for hardship. So today's main question is, can we remain faithful when things go badly for us? And can we be courageous in the midst of persecution? So with that, I'm going to share a personal story. In 2003, my wife had some test results that looked odd and off. And we, through several weeks, were praying that it would not be cancer. And we had, um, we had a meeting at church one night where there was probably 75 people there praying that my wife would not have cancer. And it turned out that she did have cancer. And at that point, everybody I knew that had cancer had passed away. And so I thought, if you got cancer, you passed away. I now realize that's not true and that lots of people I know that have gotten cancer have met multiple different kinds of cancers have had a full recovery, but I didn't know that at that point. My interpretation of reality at that point was that I and dozens of other people had prayed hard that my wife would not have cancer, and yet she did. What I didn't realize was God was going to provide healing through surgeries and through medicines and just probably straight-up healing that my wife, 20 years later, is cancer-free. God did heal my wife from cancer, but he didn't do it in the way I thought he was going to. And the way it turned out nearly shipwrecked my faith because I was angry. And what I was angry about was this thought. Either God can't do anything about this situation or he won't. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm not good with either one of those answers. That's that's hard for me to admit now, especially uh, to every every single person on the internet. But um, I had to come to the point where I thought, will I follow God even though I I feel like I'm not getting my way? I've been praying about this situation, and it's just not happening. Uh, I'm getting we're getting the wrong result from what we've been praying about here. Do I still follow God when that happens? And I guess if you can. Most people would think, well, if you're doing a religious podcast uh, decades later, then you probably didn't end up hanging in there. And that would be the case. 
Uh, but it was a process that I had to go through. So I share that as kind of a little bit of an embarrassment to myself. Uh, uh, it shows maybe that I was, or maybe still am a spiritual lightweight, uh, but, but, uh, maybe you can relate to that. Um, but in Smyrna, let, let me just kind of, we're, we're that's, that's kind of where this is going with the, with the church in Smyrna. Okay. So, um, I wasn't just telling you a random story there, but I want to tell you just a little bit about Smyrna because I just feel like when you, if you know just a, a little bit about these places, it is helps us maybe identify with it a little bit more like it's real. Okay. So it was a real city, uh, in, uh, it was an ancient city, even at the time it was being mentioned in revelation chapter two. Um, so it goes back several millennia when people, when it was first founded and people started settling there. Uh, but it, uh, Smyrna was a, uh, city on the Western coast of the Roman colony of Asia minor, um, uh, they, I think they actually just called it Asia, but we call it Asia minor or slash what is now modern Turkey. And it's actually still there. Uh, it's in, it's now called Izmir, uh, and it's in Turkey. So, and it's on the Western coast and it was home of somebody, you know, if you've ever heard of the Iliad and the Odyssey, the guy who wrote that was Homer and he was from Smyrna. So pretty cool. Um, it was a big city, but it wasn't as big as Ephesus that we mentioned that we said in the last episode, basically Ephesus was like one of the biggest cities outside of Rome itself. So Smyrna's maybe pulling up behind them, uh, in Ephesus and it is, um, kind of in the conversation with like kind of conversation with Ephesus, but, and, and Pergamum it's being a really important city, but it's still probably not as big as Ephesus. And it had a Jewish population, which is a good chance. It doesn't say this in the Bible, but it's a good chance that this is kind of where, uh, that, that gave a home base for the Christian converts, um, to, you know, it's kind of like a lot of the first, the, the early church were Jewish converts. So that's kind of a background about Smyrna and in, in revelation chapter two in which again happened in the, maybe the AD nineties, Jesus started the letter by saying the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. And it seems to me he's almost, he's saying I died and I came back to life. It seems to me, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me that he's setting the stage that he's going to ask them to do something difficult, but it's nothing outside of what he's already done. You know, sometimes I've heard people say like the great leader is somebody that never asks somebody to do something they wouldn't personally do. And, but Jesus is saying here, I've already done something difficult and I'm about to ask you to do something difficult. So in each of these uh, report cards, Jesus kind of gives like a good, a bad, a solution, a consequence and a promise. Um, the good was that, and they they were poor, but it says they might be financially poor, but they were spiritually rich. So that sounds good. And they're always they're also doing well and resisting being slandered and persecuting for their persecuted for their faith. Sounds really good. Here's the cool thing: in the bad, 
There's nothing. He doesn't say anything bad to them. He doesn't say, well, you, you're doing this right, but you got to work on that. He just kind of gives them an attaboy. Uh, nothing bad. So that's great. And he tells them what he wants them to do. He wants them to be faithful, even if it costs them their life. But wait, what? <laughs> He's supposed to say, you're doing great. And so here is all kinds of blessings in this life bestowed upon you. That's not what he says. He, he does say there's blessings coming, but they're kind of in the next life. So when you hear people say no good deed goes unpunished, uh, that's kind of applicable to this situation with Smyrna. They're doing great and they're getting attaboys from Jesus. And he tells them, they would be thrown into prison and rather than getting out, they might end up paying with their lives as martyrs. Mm, that's tough. Uh, so the, these guys are already making me and my story I shared again, look like a spiritual lightweight. And we're instead of kind of me telling you what you ought to do, since I'm apparently already unqualified myself for that, uh, we'll just kind of walk through scripture and see how pe various people in scripture dealt with what do you do when things you're, you're doing the right things, but getting the wrong result. Do you stick with God? So Jesus gives them a promise, a promise to the conquerors that they would be given the crown of life and would not be hurt by the second death. Notice he didn't say you won't be hurt by the first death death he says you won't be hurt by the second death so obviously he's talking about eternal life and he wants them to stay strong because it will be worth the sacrifice this is obviously jesus saying uh, a similar situation would be when he said uh, to follow him you have to pick up your cross daily and follow him if we follow Jesus, we're, we're following somebody who was crucified. So that's, that's a tough situation right there. And he's saying you have to take up your cross daily and follow him. Okay. So everybody has a different cross to bear, but, uh, but we do have to keep that in mind. So where in the Bible do we hear similar stories to this? Okay. So, Let's go back to the Old Testament because this is the roots of Revelation. That's what we do is we, do, we don't just look at Revelation. We look at the roots behind it all throughout the Bible. So in, in Habakkuk 3, in verse 17 through 19, he says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Again, I'm feeling pretty small when I'm measuring up to both Smyrna and to Habakkuk here. But you could go on with this. 
When you hear about the messengers of John the Baptist who'd been put in prison because he was telling, uh, saying things that uh, Herod didn't like about Herod's uh, uh, marital situation, um, he'd been put in prison. He's he's kind of waiting for maybe maybe uh, is Jesus going to get me out of here? I mean, Jesus is the Messiah. Why doesn't Jesus just take over, take over the country, and let me out of prison? And he's kind of he he's been preaching about Jesus. He's been very courageous. He's 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 a he's a great prophet. But even he, after after he's in prison, wonders because he's a human being, just like us. And it says in Matthew chapter eleven, when Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who's to come or shall we look for another? He'd already told people, this is the lamb of God. So now he's, now he's rethinking that a little bit. Verse four says, and Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see the blind receive their sight and the lame walk lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What Jesus didn't say is, sit tight, and I'll get you right out of there. And John was later beheaded by Herod. And if you notice, the last thing he says, Jesus says is, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. He's basically saying, go tell John that the kingdom of heaven is happening. Go tell him that I am the Messiah, and everything's as he said I was. But, I'm, but don't tell him he's getting out of prison because he didn't. Why doesn't he do that sometimes? When he can, if he's God and he is, why can't he just, why couldn't John get out of prison? And it just goes back to when I was having my issue, I kind of had to get to come to the point to say, God is God. And I'm not him. I think I heard that in the movie Rudy. Got my theological. <laughs> I got my theological uh, epiphany from the movie Rudy. That's not maybe that's not all that impressive either. But it's true that sometimes when you don't understand, you just trust God because He's God and we're not. Okay, here's another example. Lazarus, John chapter eleven. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the, vi- the village of Mary and, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. These are tight friends of Jesus. Your, your, buddy's, your buddy's ill, Jesus. Not somebody, not a stranger. It's your buddy. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. They're just thinking, just, okay, just come heal my brother. And he's thinking about what is the best situation for the glory of God. Verse six. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? Again, I'm not questioning. 
he's God. He's, he's Jesus. He's doing the right stuff. I'm not questioning that, but that's to, to a human being like us, that sounds off, but it's not because he's making the right decision. He's making the decision for the kingdom of God. If he'd done, if he just healed Lazarus right there, then, then we wouldn't be talking about this right now. Okay, so we skip down. He stayed where he was. We skip down from verse 6 there to verse 20. Um, I'd encourage you to go back and read all of John 11, but we're going to skip to verse 20. And Martha has a very human reaction to this, kind of like I might. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary, I guess I should, Mary had the reaction here. Or both of them did, actually. But Mary remained seated in the house. Well, you go out, Martha. I'm sitting right here. He wants to come in here. If he got the guts to show his face in this house, then let him come on in. So now that I put my side in there, I'm going to read it again. Verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Ouch. That hurts. And it hurt Jesus uh, because even though he knew he was right in the situation, he knew what he was going to do, which was amazing. Uh, he still felt the pain. It still it says in, in a little bit that Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, but not the not the one with the least impact. Jesus wept. It, this hurt. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. You skip down to verse 40. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always heard hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me, and that is why. Now, you and I aren't always told why. In this situation, we know, we find out why. In your life, you may not find out why. And you may just have to trust and keep trusting all your life. Maybe someday uh, when you get to heaven, it'll be revealed to you. But sometimes we don't know. In this case, we know. When he had said these things, he cried out with a a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now, I heard one time Tony Evans, uh, who I like very much, he said he said the name Lazarus because if he, he's, he said a cemetery, and if he says, come out, then everybody might have come out of the tomb. He just says Lazarus, but that's just an aside. That's kind of, I'm, I'm joking there, but it could be true. But uh, certainly not a biblical insight. But anyway, the power of Jesus is awesome, though, isn't it? Anyway, so what about the people that pray for their relative to be healed? What about maybe maybe you have a sickness that you've been praying about? And the Bible says Paul had a thorn in the flesh. We don't even know what it was. But it says three times I prayed that he would take it away from me. And he and God didn't. And he said, My grace is sufficient for you. And that's tough. That's not what we want to hear. 
we just want to say, I've been praying about this. I need you to fix it. And God can, and God doesn't. And that's going back to what I said earlier. Either God doesn't have the power to fix this, or he won't. And I'm not good with either one of those. We've got to, we got to get beyond that. I've got to get beyond that. And if I don't get my way, if my, my prayer is not answered in the way that I want it to be answered sometimes, then sometimes I, I have to just trust that it's for his glory and that he has a reason and that my life is to glorify him. And that's hard. I don't say that as preachy. I know that's hard. It was really hard for me. And it still is hard for me all the time in different situations that still come up. So again, I don't want to keep talking to you and preaching to you. I'm just trying to give you stories from the Bible here and the things that actually happen, not just stories. Here's another one. The, the apostles were arrested and beaten because they were um, telling the, the story of the gospel, telling, talking about Jesus. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders didn't like that. And in Acts chapter 5, it says in, chapter, in verse 40 through 42, And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is that the Christ is Jesus. They had been counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Those that's heavyweight. And so I'm going to skip ahead as you know, that what, uh, as we've been talking about the, the report card to Smyrna in revelation chapter two, Jesus is revealing through John that they're going to have to, they may be thrown into prison and may end up paying for their, with their lives as martyrs. But if they hang in there, it will be worth it that they will get the, the crown of life. So these, these people that are, that are physically, financially poor, they get a crown. But they got to hang in there. And so that's the same people that I'm going to tell you a story about a guy named Polycarp here. Now, this is not in the Bible. There, there could be um, this, I wouldn't call it a legend. I think that people... People know about Polycarp, but it's not, it's not the Bible. Okay. But in history, we learned about a guy named Polycarp and he apparently lived somewhere between 80, 69 to 155, somewhere in there could, could plus or minus on either side. But he was a church leader in Smyrna, the very church we're talking about. And some reports say that he and his friend, um, Papias were called hearers of the apostle John himself. So if you look at the time that he's alive in Smyrna, uh, which is not that far from where uh, the book of Revelation was written, talking about 80, 69 to 155, Revelation is written in 90. It's possible these guys, it says they were hearers of the apostle John himself. So they, it's, it's 
it's kind of saying they they know him and they've been like sitting at his feet learning but i'm 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 inferring that but they were hearers of the apostle john is what what the legend says okay enough about that in the literature piece called martyrdom it is said that he was burned at the stake and then pierced with a spear for refusing to burn incense to the Roman emperor. He said of Christ, 80 and six years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. He then said, how can I blaspheme my king and savior? You threaten me with, with a fire that burns for a season, and after a little while is quenched, but you are ignorant of the fire of everlasting punishment that is prepared for the wicked. And he then closed with, I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour, so that in the company of martyrs, I may share the cup of Christ. I mean, wow. It seems to me that Polycarp paid very close attention to what Jesus said to the church at Smyrna. He may have been one of the guys that the letter was delivered to. And apparently, he thought about it and he put it in practice. So I've, I've read you accounts of religious heavyweights to make up for my theological lightweightness. Um, I try to give a, a key takeaway on each of these episodes. Um, and I would say this, that Jesus didn't promise that following him would be easy. And in fact, he tells us that we must pick up our cross and follow him. And our struggles are going to come in lots of different forms, but we must bear them and remain strong for his glory. Because if we do, we will have an eternal reward that's greater than any sacrifices we're making right now. So I just encourage you, if you are at a spiritual crossroads and you are wondering, either God can't do anything about this or he won't. And I'm not good with either of them. Just hang in there and and keep the faith and think about these these heavyweights of the Bible and of the of, of history that I've mentioned. And I just I I I hope that you'll take up uh, the position of Polycarp instead of uh letting the world get you down. So Keep your. My dad used to say, when things happened that were hard, chin up, chest out. And uh, I think about that a lot. So I encourage you today to chin up and chest out and keep fighting the faith and keep believing that God's got a plan and that Jesus will make it all worth it for us in the end. And that if we do that, then we'll get that crown of life that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 when Jesus is talking to the church in Smyrna. God loves you. I love you. Come back for episode 9. Thanks. Thanks.